on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell securities. While stocks and the stock market will be discussed on this program, check with your advisor or a professional before investing. Helping people navigate the world of money for the past 17 years. Ladies and gentlemen, your hosts of Tape Talk Radio, Quint Tatro and Daniel Zolno. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of Tape Talk. I'm your host, Quint Tatro. And Daniel Zolno. Live from our in-office studio now as we make adjustments as everyone is. For this current environment so we'll continue to work on our sound quality we appreciate your patience with us all right we're gonna get right into it markets this week at least at the uh time of this taping which is the 26th or thursday approximately 11 a.m having a pretty significant bounce off the lows definitely making folks i think feel a little bit better uh made a Maybe not so humorous joke the other day. We were 4,000 points off the lows in the Dow. Someone was commenting about that, and I said, yep, only 9,000 points to go to get us back to 29 or 30,000 on the Dow. I want to make a few comments in regards to that, uh, and I will tell you what's fascinating to me in this environment as I talk to folks, both uh, in the industry and clients and prospects and so forth, Everyone has now become an epidemiologist. Everyone is a, uh, a professor of the coronavirus. It seems as if everyone now has vast knowledge of what will happen. Uh, the common thought that we are only in the early stages of this, things will get worse before they get better, is the common theme. I got to be quite frank. I have no idea. I am reading as much as anyone. I am not going to claim to know what the future holds regarding this virus. I would caution you, however, to be very careful in your knowledge or your newfound knowledge of the coronavirus and its impact on your investment decisions. Now, why do I say that? Well, in these conversations that I'm having with folks, it is clear that their understanding of the virus and what is happening, again, in being in the early stages, are that we are only now just beginning to see the case number go up. We are now just beginning to see the death count go up. We are now in the stages where we are starting to max out our healthcare system, specifically the ICU uh, areas across our country, and ultimately, they then extrapolate that to mean that the stock market has much further to fall. Now, I have no idea. I don't think anybody knows. And anybody who claims to know is absolutely guessing. And what we say in regards to that on this show is when someone does that, I think you have to run the other way. But the truth of the matter is this, that the stock market at its lows after the S&P had declined 32%, that's 30 in one month had lost $10 trillion in market cap valuation. To put that into context, the entire United States GDP for any given year is approximately $20 trillion. That lost half of the value in 30 days. It is safe to assume that the market has discounted this virus to extreme measures. Now, the question is, has it discounted it enough? And again, no one knows. But I think you have to be very careful in simply making an assumption of what will happen. And again, I stress an assumption. Maybe it's an educated opinion. Maybe it's something you've read. And I've read both sides of this. And then immediately assuming you then know what the stock market will do. I think that's very dangerous. Now, that does not there's no conclusion here. I think you, you might be thinking, well, then Quint's going to go and start to tell us all the reasons why the stock market's going to go up from here, and I'm not. But what I'm saying is, is that it should not sort of influence your shorter-term decisions regarding your longer-term financial plan. We're going to talk a lot about that today on today's show. Now, ultimately, uh, we are in a situation with unprecedented uh, confusion, unprecedented 
challenges. We have an environment where we aren't just battling the coronavirus. We are also in an oil war, something that is not getting a lot of press. That is uh, transpiring into a debt issue, specifically within the energy space in our country. That is also potentially having negative ramifications within the institutional investing world that are the endowments, the large pension funds, etc. These are all incredible, challenging times. And I want to share something that if you have been going through this decline and you maybe coming into this felt as though you were properly allocated, your investments in stocks versus bonds was appropriate for maybe your age, your risk tolerance, your uh time frame from you know retirement whatever the case may be but the reality was that the dow was perpetually going higher and so there was no real concern despite maybe catching this show uh when one week prior to the decline we actually came on and said if you are not comfortable with a 10 to 15 percent decline boy we undershot that by about half apparently uh but a 10 to 15 percent decline in your portfolio then you have too much risk. But the reality is, is that if you were going through this decline and it was wreaking havoc on your life, you were not sleeping, your, your physical uh, body was, was, was challenged, you were uh, fearful of the future, not just fearful from the standpoint of this virus that I think everybody has felt anxious and had incredible trepidation over the last couple of weeks. There's no question. But in regards to your financial security, and again, not the unknowns regarding your job, um, if you're still working or, or have been laid off or furloughed or uh, your, whatever it may be. I mean specifically your retirement account. If that's the case, and then today or this week, we are seeing a relief rally, and you now are all of a sudden starting to feel better going, oh, boy, what was I so concerned about, et cetera. Please make no mistake, this is far from over. This is far from over. We may revisit those lows. We may go even lower. The reality is now is your opportunity to revisit that risk tolerance, that asset allocation. Daniel, I want to kick it to you from an, from an overall planning perspective. What does that mean in relation to someone's overall financial plan? So if they are all of a sudden revisiting that and they're going, well, apparently I have been too aggressive. Uh, I need to make some changes. How does that then factor into their long-term plan? Well, one of the things you have to look at is as you make those allocation changes, it is going to, by necessity, impact your forward returns. So uh, if you decrease your equity portion, then in theory, you're going to have less of that more aggressive style return that equities will usually see. If you allocate more towards bonds here, depending on the uh, investment advisor or manager that you're allocating that fixed income to, with bonds at a fairly low yields, again, historic yields, we've been saying that for like a decade, though, um, but still historically yields, uh, historically low yields, you're not going to get a lot of movement on those. So you have to expect that as you become more conservative, you're going to see less return in your overall portfolio. As you see less return, you're, you're just going to see less available sort of withdrawal rates as you extrapolate that out over time. And what that's going to mean is if you were kind of close to the line with your budget and your allocation previously, as you reduce your allocation, if you don't decrease your budget as well, uh, then the plan is just not going to work. So you have to look at it in total. You can't just go, oh, you know, this is an uncomfortable amount of risk. I'm going to change my allocation and nothing else. And in fact, if you are talking to your advisor and he is just simply suggesting, oh, you know, shift the allocation here and not talking about the potential ripple effects that that has, then you really want to talk to somebody who's going to look at it with a holistic approach, run a plan, figure out your required rate of return and what that actually means in your allocation. Because that's, it's basically like a seesaw. As you adjust one, you are more than likely going to have to adjust the other. Let's look at it from a numerical standpoint. Daniel, your mic sounds a lot better than mine. Why is that? I don't know. It's my <laughs> it's, voice. It sounds a lot better. Uh, but nonetheless, maybe it's my positioning here in the room. 
Let's look at it from a numerical standpoint. Uh, if you were uh, traditionally, let's say, uh, removing approximately 4% from your portfolio or targeting a 4% withdrawal rate from your portfolio, on a $100,000 uh, portfolio, that's that's $4,000, right? So um, ultimately, you're you're looking at saying, okay, I can I can take out on on a hundred thousand dollars at four percent, four thousand dollars, um, four thousand dollars on any given month is three hundred thirty dollars a month. Okay, so th th I'm just using round numbers. You could say a million is forty thousand, etc. Now, if you are looking at the long term, and I and I, and I want to stress this: the long term returns in the market, and you are saying, well. In order to achieve a 4% withdrawal rate, I would then at minimum need approximately 60% of my assets exposed to the market. Now, where am I getting these numbers? Well, let's look at it. If we take $100,000 and we take $60,000 or 60% towards uh, times a long-term projected, uh, and this is based on an diversified portfolio, not just the S&P. So we're looking at about 8%. So if we take a 6%, uh, I'm sorry, a 60% um, uh, uh, allocation in the market, getting approximately 8% in return, that gives that asset portion approximately a 4.8% rate of return. Are you staying with me? I, I want to make sure you understand these numbers because they're very important. 60% exposure, 8% rate of return. So that means on that 60 related related to your entire 100,000 your port your asset is, are returning now 4.8%. Throw in a little bit of bond uh you know asset uh, return maybe 1% etc. So that's 5.8 to 6%. So that's a targeted allocation to return approximately 6%. You're taking out 4 maybe you're paying an advisor or you have some investment fees inside of there so you got to buffer about 1 that gives you about 1% of, of sort of flexibility there. Okay, if you have just reduced your allocation because you said, I am not for this market, any market, I don't ever want to be 60% invested ever again, I want to be 40% invested, then what you did is you reduced your long-term exposure and thus your long-term rate of return. And just as Daniel said, this is why it is critically important that you must then go back and adjust your long-term expectations, whether that's spending, your expenses, etc. That is critically important. All right, we got to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this market. We're going to talk about what folks should be thinking about here and whether or not, hey, have we seen the lows? Guess what? Nobody knows. You're listening to Tape Talk Radio. I'm your host, Quintetro. And Daniel Zolna. We'll be right back. To slow the spread of the coronavirus. In order to win this war. We spread the word because this story is changing by the hour. How long this crisis will last? Check in three, four, five times today. These are unprecedented times. We will overcome. On News Radio 630 WLAP. Markets are experiencing unprecedented volatility. In a matter of days, the environment has changed before our eyes. But that doesn't mean your long-term financial plan should change as well. I'm Quintetro of Jewel Financial. This is the time to be meeting with your advisor, reviewing your asset allocation, making sure that you can weather the storms such as we are in now. If you are not doing that, maybe it's time for a second opinion. You can call us in our Lexington office at 881-0777. That's 881-0777. This is the time to take a deep breath and make sure you are looking at your long-term financial plan. Markets will go up. Markets will go down. Don't let it impact your long-term goals. Give us a call at Jewel Financial, 881-0777. And be sure to listen every Saturday for Tape Talk Radio. When your loved ones are struggling with addiction, the world can seem awfully loud. you got to stop enabling. You shouldn't let them treat you that way. How could you not know? At Voices of Hope, we're here to help you help the people you care about work toward wellness in whatever way feels right. No judgment, no lectures. See how quiet it just got? That's because we listen. You've been talked at enough. Be heard at Voices of Hope. 
Learn more at VoicesOfHopeLex.org. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-305-7083. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-305-7083 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-305-7083 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's it's 800-305-7083. A time of crisis. A new and deadly virus sweeps America, costing lives and jobs. Our nation's leaders come together, putting partisanship aside. And Kentucky's Mitch McConnell is at the center of the battle to rush aid to Americans, delivering swift, historic, and bipartisan relief for America's workers and families. With more to come. But Amy McGrath uses this unprecedented public health crisis for cheap political gains, spending millions on false partisan attacks. McGrath fuels fear with lies that even liberal newspapers like the Washington Post call false. Kentucky and America deserve better. So remember, while Amy McGrath lies, Mitch McConnell leads. Visit coronavirus.gov to learn what you can do to better protect yourself, your family, and your community. I'm Mitch McConnell, candidate for the U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by McConnell Senate Committee. Money gone. DIY Money. It's a podcast with Quentetro and Daniel Zolno. Creativity is something that we lose, I think, as we get older, and it's a shame. It's about life. It's about finances. In our yeah, instance, we take a cookbook, we look at a new recipe, go home, we cook together. It's about you. DIY Money. Subscribe now, wherever you podcast. Now back to Tape Talk Radio with Quint Tatro and Daniel Zolno. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Tape Talk Radio with your host, Quint Tatro. And Daniel Zolno. My mic sounds much better today, or in this segment there, Daniel. Yeah, we adjusted that during the commercial break. There you go. Uh, all right, we're talking about the markets, obviously. I want to talk about something that is happening underneath the surface not getting a lot of headlines. Uh, we like to say that maybe this is uh, below the fold, that old newspaper comment, uh, above the fold, news and making headlines, you know, top of the top of the top of the page sort of thing. This is uh, below the fold, but uh, probably one of the more challenging things we've seen in the environment in a very, very long time, and that is oil. Um, oil has been crashing along with uh, uh, all the other markets. Oil is yet to really see any sort of bounce, uh, which is problematic. Oil uh, declined while great at the pumps. I saw $1.75 uh, today. That was uh, unbelievable. Uh, it has a significant negative ramification uh, for a variety of sectors. Daniel, give us a little breakdown of what's going on with oil, what happened there, uh, and why do we care? Certainly. So uh, in, initially, actually, oil was trending downward to start the year. Uh, we actually saw quite a big pullback there from basically start of the year around 65 to the mid 40s. But then we sort of had Saudi Arabia and Russia get into a bit of a spat as far as just pumping oil into the world and creating tons and tons of supply. And the way markets work is the more supply you have uh, for the same amount of demand, naturally, prices go down. And so we saw prices plummet on that. And this was actually, um, this was before the pandemic really sort of started to accelerate in the U.S. Uh, we had some cases here, but it wasn't, it wasn't kind of what we're looking at now. There wasn't a lot of fear of that at that point. So that was really the second straw because the first straw was credit starting back in the fall. Uh, but this kind of accelerated and put pressure on the credit market. It was really fascinating um, from the standpoint that we saw the Chinese uh, oil demand, energy demand plummet 
early on in the year as they went into lockdown. So if you remember, it was right after the first of the year that the coronavirus was discovered in Wuhan, uh, Providence of, of China, and they immediately went into lockdown. They shut down, I think, four or five cities. 30 million people were quarantined. Uh, they immediately began shutting down manufacturing. They uh, basically created much of the demand for energy and oil in the world, and that put incredible pressure on the commodity itself. In an attempt to kind of uh, stave off this this uh, incredible decline in oil, which was not boding well, particularly for the United States, while we'll get to that in just a minute, um, was the desire to cut production. And if you, uh, you know, recall, and you know, uh, I'm sure, have heard of OPEC before, the sort of union of, uh, of oil-producing nations that can come together and, and sort of uh, change the spigot, if you will, of oil, and thus influence the price. So if you think best back to basic economics, supply and demand curve, uh, as demand increases, uh, you can see either supply increases to meet that demand, or if supply is constrained, price goes up. And so if demand is going down, if demand is going down and supply does not change, then the price goes down. If supply changes as demand goes down, then the price can at least remain constant. If supply is completely shut off, even though demand is going down, you could see the price increase uh, consistently and, and uh, uh, an extreme amount. And so their desire there was to sort of help the uh, decline in oil prices due to the demand, what was viewed as short-term uh, sort of demand um, reduction, except there's a problem. And the problem is, is that Russia, one of the world's leading producers of energy, or sorry, oil, is not part of OPEC. OPEC is led by Saudi Arabia. Um, I, the United States may or may not be. I, I still haven't even looked this up, and I, I'm kind of too lazy to do so. Uh, whether the United States is part of OPEC or we're just friendly with Saudi Arabia makes no difference to me. But Saudi Arabia basically, with the urging of the United States, was looking to cut production but needed to have the participation of Russia. If Russia does not participate in that, then there's really no reason for one country to cut because, again, it's not a tremendous amount of the world's oil supply any longer. Unfortunately, Russia basically gave OPEC and, in turn, the United States the flying finger and said, no, we're not going to do that. And so, in true diplomatic form, Saudi Arabia came back and said, well, if they don't want to cut, and they don't want to uh, be concerned about the prices, then we are absolutely going to just turn on the spigot full, full bore, and they're going to experience the pain. And unfortunately, not only did that hurt the oil markets, but that is also hurting the United States energy sector. We're going to talk more about that when we come back. And again, why do we care? All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about that specifically. You're listening to Tape Talk Radio with your host, Quintetro. And Daniel Zellner. We'll be right back. As you and our community deal with a new way of life, working from home and social distancing and the continuing question of when will things get back to normal, we know that one of the things you might be worried about is paying your bills. We're here to help, and we'd like to redirect your mind to a state of positivity. We've got up to 12 chances every day for you to text in and win $1,000. We hope you and your family stay safe, keep your phone charged and your radio on for the latest on what's happening. We will be here with everything you need to know and another chance to get your bills paid. Coming up on iHeart radio tough times call for a tender steak the nighthawk special still available for only $14.99 in all columbia steakhouse locations with curbside pickup always even free delivery to some areas just call to order at columbia steakhouse downtown richmond road and southland drive a tender steak for tough times the nighthawk special still only $14.99 curbside or delivered from columbia steakhouse did you know that Morgan & Morgan has a dedicated insurance division with an army of lawyers completely focused on fighting for clients who were denied or lowballed on their insurance claims? And guess what? Just because your insurance company says no, that doesn't mean they're right. We have verdicts and billions of dollars recovered to prove it. So if your insurance claim was lowballed or denied, dial pound law on your cell phone and we'll take a second look. There's only one Morgan & Morgan for the people. Dial pound law on your cell. 
All cases handled by our Kentucky licensed attorney. With more than 104,000 coronavirus cases in the U.S., more than any other country, there are calls for more resources and more supplies from health care providers who are on the front lines. ABC's Trevor Alt has more. Across America, health care workers are stepping into a medical war zone. In Queens, New York, video shared on Facebook earlier this week showing a packed emergency room wall-to-wall -wall with bedridden patients. Who's the sickest patient in the door? As the influx of COVID-19 patients grows higher, healthcare workers are desperate for more critical equipment. Especially ventilators. And Friday, President Trump invoking the Defense Production Act, compelling General Motors to manufacture ventilators. A U.S. Navy hospital ship arrived in Los Angeles yesterday. Another will leave Virginia today, bound for New York to try to ease the burden on hospitals. And President Trump on Friday signed a $2.2 trillion economic stimulus aimed at mitigating some of the economic impacts. Brian Clark, ABC News. Our final weekend of March feels more like the last weekend of May, at least out there today. We're into the upper 70s and low 80s. Mix of sunny clouds on a gusty wind can't rule out an isolated shower or thunderstorm. Then later tonight, here comes a squall line of thunderstorms. Potential is there for some local severe weather. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Following that up on Sunday, partly to mostly sunny into the afternoon on a windy day. 65 to 70. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Markets are experiencing unprecedented volatility. In a matter of days, the environment has changed before our eyes. But that doesn't mean your long-term financial plan should change as well. I'm Quintetro of Jewel Financial. This is the time to be meeting with your advisor, reviewing your asset allocation, making sure that you can weather the storms such as we are in now. If you are not doing that, maybe it's time for a second opinion. You can call us in our Lexington office at 881-0777. That's 881-0777. This is the time to take a deep breath and make sure you are looking at your long-term financial plan. Markets will go up. Markets will go down. Don't let it impact your long-term goals. Give us a call at Jewel Financial, 881-0777. And be sure to listen every Saturday for Tape Talk Radio. Hey, Kentucky, your voice counts. Taking the census helps Kentucky receive funds for school lunches, life-saving medical care, educational programs, roads and bridges, and other programs that benefit you, your family, and your community. The census is just nine questions and only takes 10 minutes to complete. Plus, it's safe and secure. By April 1st, First, your home will receive official Census Bureau mail with info on how to respond. So, Kentucky, let your voice be heard. Be counted. Learn more at CountMeInKY2020.com. Now, back to Tape Talk Radio with Quint Tatro and Daniel Zono. All right, welcome back. You are listening to Tape Talk Radio with your host, Quint Tatro. And Daniel Zono. Here's the deal, friends. If you're in this environment and you have not been hearing from your advisor... You are concerned about your portfolio, yet nothing seems to be changing. Maybe it's time for a new advisor. Uh, I tell you, in this environment, despite uh, having to work remotely uh, for most of the uh, most of the time, our office is in full force. Uh, we are working with new clients. We are bringing new clients into our firm. We are uh, discussing their current situation, analyzing their portfolio, making changes where necessary, looking and. Uh, evolving with them to develop a financial and retirement plan. This is the time where I think an advisor really brings value uh, to the relationship. And if you're not feeling that, if you're not getting that, um, I think it's time to make a change. And you can visit us on the web. I strongly encourage you to visit us on the web, retirementky.com. That's retirementky.com. You can learn about our firm. You can read articles we've been writing during this. We've been writing almost every day uh, during this environment, keeping people abreast of what we're viewing, what we're seeing, etc. cetera. Uh, again, you can learn more about our firm and then you can set up a call. Happy to have a conversation with you. Uh, and then when things calm down, we'll definitely meet in person and sit across to, from each other in the conference table and talk about your situation. But uh, I would visit us on the web, retirementky.com. 
and learn more about our firm. And then again, if you want to set up a time to talk, that would be great. So why do we care about oil, Daniel? Why, why do we care if oil is going down and there's a spat between Saudi Arabia and Russia, and the net result is I'm filling up for lower uh, prices than I have in years, why do we care about that from a market standpoint? How does that impact my portfolio? Well, while energy as a sector makes up a pretty small amount of, for instance, the S&P 500, uh, sort of the commonly used indices in the market, it, it still has ripple effects if those companies in short order very suddenly become very non-profitable and or start to go bankrupt, if you will. So if you have a lot of these uh, small drillers or, or small companies that even support those drillers in the industry, and suddenly there's this ripple effect, uh, you think of the concentric circles that sort of uh, ripple out from a pebble on the pond, and one company comes under pressure, and that sort of goes out to another layer of their suppliers, and then uh, those suppliers then pay rent or have loans at banks and so forth. And you can see that, um, no pun intended, but the contagion that sort of ripples through the oil market, very similar, in fact, from a financial perspective to the health pandemic that we're seeing here. And so uh, while we enjoy the cheap oil uh, at the pumps and uh, airlines and so forth, it has the potential to put strains and pressure on the financial system. And the move that we saw in oil was very significant and very volatile, very much like what we saw in the stock market. And that move, if not priced in on both an equity and a credit perspective, has the potential to put the financial system under strain, even more so potentially than the actual energy companies themselves. I read somewhere that the energy companies hold $80 billion in debt. Um, and ultimately, the uh, majority of the energy space in specifically the shale industry uh, does not make any money. <laughs> in fact, finances much of their operation from debt uh, does not make money and uh, sort of has always been betting on the future, betting on the future uh, rise in demand, thus seeing a rise in oil prices. Uh, betting on the future efficiencies of the business, uh, seeing costs go down and maybe margin go up, uh, just sort of taking out loans at very, very low interest rates to finance production, sort of waiting and, and, and for that big score, if you will. In fact, I was uh, listening, my wife and I on a road trip uh, stumbled upon a podcast called Boomtown, that's boom as in B-O-O-M as in Mary, Boomtown that I highly recommend if you've not yet listened to the podcast. Specifically, there is an episode uh, two or three from the end of the series that talks about how the entire industry basically doesn't make any money. And it was very fascinating, uh, and it was uh, very fortuitous. It was a podcast that was produced, um, I believe, at the end of last year, maybe sometime in the middle of 2019, uh, had obviously no idea that we would see an incredible, uh, you know, issue in our economy and our government uh, de decline or crash in oil prices, etc. Uh, but did allude to the fact that if there was any sort of disruption at all in the space, then this entire sector would be in big trouble. I think they, uh, as many people alluded to, what happens if interest rates rise? That's always been the, the common uh, concern. What happens to the real estate market if interest rates rise? What happens to uh, the, the mortgage market if interest rates rise? Well, newsflash, interest rates are not going to rise uh, for a very, very, very long time. And ultimately, though, we are seeing these other ripple effects kind of come through the system to crea create the same uh, problem. Now, uh, Daniel alluded to this again uh, from a standpoint of one isolated sector. So why do we care? Why, why do we care about the financial, I'm sorry, the uh, energy space, you know, uh, going um, out of business or maybe coming unglued? I mean, again, we're still s paying some, uh, prices at the pump that we haven't paid in a long time. Uh, it's a capitalist world. Many of these companies will do just fine. But again, how does this relate to the average, average person on the street, Daniel? So I think one of the things that uh, we really have to sort of recollect and think about is that the debt that you talked about uh, when talking about these oil companies, the fact that they were able to put a lot of these sort of expenses and expansion and gambles, even if you will, on very low interest rate debt, that debt was still considered basically high yield junk kind of debt. 
Now, as the Fed lowered rates since the 2008-2009 financial crisis, people have had to go out and find yield. Well, they haven't had to, but well, they don't have to. Have, have chosen to. <laughs> yes. Well, pensions, uh, pensions, uh, anything with sort of a fixed payment uh, are forced to, in a way. They, they didn't have to go buy this stuff. Nobody sort of held the proverbial gun to their head or the metaphorical gun to their head. But in order to make their numbers work, think about, um, you know, like a state pension or something like that to make the distributions work. If they don't want to put more money in, again, like we talked about earlier in the show, they have to increase their return. And so, therefore, they reached into areas of the market that, you know, provided a, a fairly good sort of percentage compared to, uh, say, government bonds, but was less safe. And they traded off that risk with the idea that, well, you know, as a whole, the oil sector would probably be okay, while one or two of these companies might go down. And if you think back to sort of the movie The Big Short and how they illustrated that in the mortgage market, how we basically bundled together mortgages because if one or two of them defaults, it's not a big deal, but the odds of the entire sort of uh, mortgage sector going down were really low. That's what we thought back before the uh, housing crisis. And, and that's kind of, I think, what people thought as they searched for yield into some of these more risky assets. So uh, you basically have the stretch for yield. You have oil companies writing uh, debt at very low interest rates. And now all of a sudden, as oil plummets in price, you look at some of these companies and go, there is no way that they can make a profit at those prices. Therefore, their debt is almost less than junk. And now banks look at their uh, sort of look at their credit lines and go, we can't extend you any more credit because the, the basically the assets that you have are drilling equipment and oil rights. And that oil now has just become that asset that you are trying to borrow on has now just been cut in half. I want to make uh, one clarification, and that is that a lot of this debt finds its way into average investor portfolios. Uh, one of the things that people uh, have done over the last several years, as Daniel said, is they have reached for yield. They have reached for yield. So what that means is there have been advisors who have gone into these markets, whether it's through an ETF or a mutual fund, they have been buying these uh, these asset classes, and they have really not had an understanding of what it is that they own. And and their their common understanding is, well, I own an asset class that's yielding four or five percent in an environment where a treasury might be yielding one or less than one. And so, why wouldn't I go into this? These are bonds. These are safe. Of course, these are fine. One of the things that I'm seeing as I review portfolios in this environment, as people are coming and saying, oh, my goodness, I've, I've, I've gotten hit here. You know, my advisor's not, I'm not hearing from my advisor. Will you take a look at this? The stocks make sense. The stock market has gone down. Stock portfolios, uh, mutual funds, I mean, they're all relatively correlated. And so those have gone down. But then an individual says, now, wait a second, I'm supposed to be 50-50 invested, and yet, I'm down as much as the market. How is this possible? This is a conversation I had with somebody just the other day. I think it was two or three days ago. When I'm supposed to be 50-50, and yet I'm down the same amount as the market. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, looking at that portfolio, that portfolio held a lot of mutual funds on the bond side that were tied to what has been going on. And those bonds have been blowing up. And so those bond funds are going down in value considerably in certain instances as much as the overall equity market. So it's very, very important, as I've relayed to a lot of people in this environment, allocation is the first line of defense. Making sure you are appropriately allocated for this environment or any environment. It matters not whether it's just a normal run-of-the-mill bear market correction or a black swan crash, as we've just seen. Your exposure and your allocation is the first line of defense. The second line of defense, and maybe even most important, is knowing exactly what you own, both on the equity and the bond side. What is not making a lot of headlines in this environment, but will continue to be a challenge unless we see oil bounce incredibly in the near future, and I actually think it will, but ultimately, it's going to wreak havoc in the bond market for a very long time. Please 
know exactly what you own, not just on the equity side, but the bond side as well. And as again, as I said before, to open this segment, if you're not hearing from your advisor in that respect and you want a second opinion, we'll we'll be happy to just take a look at that portfolio, give you our two cents. Yeah, you're in this bond fund. This bond fund has these junk junk bonds in there. That's why it's getting crushed, you know, it's et cetera, et cetera. Happy to review that. You can just visit us on the web or you can call our local office here, 859 859- 8810777 that's 8598810777 and again learn more about our firm on the web that's retirementky.com that's retirementky.com these are absolutely crazy historic times but they're not times that you should be altering or or having these dramatic impacts on your long-term financial plan it should not be the case should be well positioned, allocated appropriately, and being able to weather this storm. All right, we've got to take our last and final break. You've been listening to Tape Talk Radio with your host, Quintetro. And Daniel's on that. We'll be right back. is a friend of mine and he's is what's happening i've developed the coronavirus stay current the passing of this bill this is a very special day check in all weekend we will fight it together with news radio 630 wlap markets are experiencing unprecedented volatility in a matter of days the environment has changed before our eyes but that doesn't mean your long-term financial plan should change as well. I'm Quintetro of Jewel Financial. This is the time to be meeting with your advisor, reviewing your asset allocation, making sure that you can weather the storms such as we are in now. If you are not doing that, maybe it's time for a second opinion. You can call us in our Lexington office at 881-0777. That's 881-0777. This is the time to take a deep breath and make sure you are looking at your long-term financial plan. Markets will go up. Markets will go down. Don't let it impact your long-term goals. Give us a call at Jewel Financial, 881-0777. And be sure to listen every Saturday for Tape Talk Radio. When you're struggling with addiction, the world can seem awfully loud. You're smarter than this. You need to get off all that medication. Just stop. At Voices of Hope, we take an inclusive approach to addiction recovery so you can walk your own path toward wellness. No power trips, no preaching. See how quiet it just got? That's because we listen. You've been talked at enough. Be heard at Voices of Hope. Learn more at VoicesOfHopeLex.org. This is a special message from Community Trust Bank. Because of our concern for the health and safety of our customers, employees, and communities, Community Trust Bank lobbies at each of our 79 branch offices will be closed until further notice at the close of business Friday, March 20th. We remain dedicated to serving your banking needs. The drive through of our branches will continue to be open during regular business hours. The ATM and night deposit boxes at our branches remain available 24 hours a day. If you would like to make an appointment with a loan officer or anyone else at Community Trust, please call your local branch or visit our website, ctbi.com, for our branch phone numbers. There you will also find a list of our branch locations, drive through hours, ATM locations, and special messages. That's ctbi.com. You can also use internet banking, bill pay, or any of our many convenient online services 24 hours a day. Thank you for your understanding and patience as we work together to keep our families and communities healthy. We deeply appreciate your business. This special message was brought to you by Community Trust Bank, building communities built on trust. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. A time of crisis. A new and deadly virus sweeps America, costing lives and jobs. Our nation's leaders come together, putting partisanship aside, and Kentucky's Mitch McConnell is at the center of the battle to rush aid to Americans, delivering swift, historic, and bipartisan relief for America's workers and families. With more to come, 
But Amy McGrath uses this unprecedented public health crisis for cheap political gains, spending millions on false partisan attacks. McGrath fuels fear with lies that even liberal newspapers like the Washington Post call false. Kentucky and America deserve better. So remember, while Amy McGrath lies, Mitch McConnell leads. Visit coronavirus.gov to learn what you can do to better protect yourself, your family, and your community. I'm Mitch McConnell, candidate for the U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by McConnell Senate Committee. Money gone. DIY Money. It's a podcast with Quint Tatro and Daniel Zolno. But when you're just starting out, there's really nothing that can beat that low-cost index investing in a dollar-cost averaging kind of way. It's about life. It's about finances. This country provides you more opportunity than any place in the world to make money. It's about you. DIY Money. Subscribe now wherever you podcast. This is Tape Talk Radio with Quint Tatro and Daniel Zolno. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Tape Talk Radio with your host, Quint Tatro. And Daniel Zolno. All right, Daniel. Um, you know, one of the things that people ask often, and uh, I think it's important for us to discuss, what are we looking for? What are we looking for to give us uh, clues that... Um, things are improving, uh, that, that the market is uh, maybe a place to, uh, to reallocate some of the cash that we have, both uh, from, from coming in with high cash levels this year, but also from the, uh, the sales that we have made as, as the market has declined. What, what are some of the things that sort of we're looking for, we're on the lookout for to give us uh, signals going forward? Yeah, so I think we uh, asked probably the similar question, maybe it was a week ago in last week's show, and uh, I mentioned sort of corporate credit uh, was one area that I am watching. Uh, listeners can track that pretty easily through uh, ticker symbol LQD, that's the iShares corporate bond ETF. And that's not the high yield kind of stuff that we were talking about, but what is considered kind of safer corporate debt. It's not treasuries. Uh, it's not U.S. government debt, but it's it's safer corporate debt. So think of things like uh, Apple or McDonald's or Starbucks, sort of what would be considered safer companies, lower yielding, but you're getting a little bit more safety. That credit market, along with high yield and overnight markets, basically dried up uh, earlier this month and yields sort of shot up. Demand for people buying that went down. And and so uh, that's one area that you sort of want to see things get straightened out. So I'm watching that. Uh, certainly, we talked about oil, uh, seeing that perk up again. You know, with the, the actual health crisis, the pandemic, uh, again, we're not epidemiologists. Is that how we... Epidemiologist. Epidemiologist. Uh, I can't even say the word, so clearly I'm not in that profession. Uh, and so therefore, you know, it's hard to, I think what we have to keep in mind is it's hard to calibrate to some of the numbers that we see in the headlines. And so there's nothing specifically that I'm looking for there other than um, them using the term flattening the curve and more of a like, it's happening, not a, we hope this is happening term. Um, but the market has gotten pretty ahead of pricing in a lot of the health stuff and so we may see the market move prior to that so um i'll pretty much watch in the stocks here kind of in this bounce that we're getting towards the end of this week does it look like we're going to retest lows hold lows and sort of base there because the news is starting to get better or uh, are we just going to get kind of a, a relief bounce up and then um, figure out what the recession looks like going forward if it entails so from those are great points. I think the uh, the debt markets, uh, the 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 bond markets are huge. Um, I think a more important story in this environment right now is oil. Uh, as I've mentioned in the last segment, uh, everything is bouncing uh, as we cut this and this week. And I think that the market is responding to stimulus. It's it's a very. I was just dialoguing with a friend, uh, and it's a very uh, interesting environment. 
Uh, it's a very inflationary environment, so I think that we're going to see uh, gold and, and asset classes continue to do well and respond to the money. Uh, that is coming into the market from stimulus. Uh, but we have a government that has basically said they will support uh, individuals. They will support small businesses. They will do everything in their power. Uh, that, is, that, is very, uh, that is very beneficial for stocks in, in the short run. I think we have uh, debt challenges down the road. Everything is bouncing except oil. Oil creates a problem if we do not see a rebound there. It creates a problem in an entire industry, the energy sector, where you have hundreds of thousands of jobs that will not come back. It also creates a problem in the debt markets, uh, not only based on those companies that have written that debt, but the banks that have uh, underwritten that debt, that have helped, that continue to hold that debt, that continue to do work with those companies, also the, as Daniel was mentioning, the pensions, the investment uh, uh, arms that have bought that debt. If we don't see a bounce in the energy space, then we will move very quickly from a health care crisis in our country to a debt crisis in our country. The government is working very, very hard to respond to this, uh, and I think they're doing a great job, but I am watching oil very, very closely. Now, I'm optimistic, actually, and in full disclosure uh, for some aggressive tactical accounts, I actually bought some oil and some energy names. I believe that it will bounce. I believe um, that whether the U.S. really loads to the strategic reserves or we see uh, some sort of agreement, whether we hear about the details or not, uh, between Saudi Arabia, Russia, et cetera. I think it's in the world's best interest that everyone starts playing nice. I know that sounds crazy and that people would never do that, but I think we're going to see that. Oil is critical. If oil starts to find its footing in here, this market could go much higher than most people anticipate. Everyone, in addition to becoming an epidemiologist, has also become a market soothsayer. It's kind of amazing to me. They had no idea that the, the crash was coming. Uh, when we were raising cash and, and holding ex exceptional high levels of cash, we were uh, viewed as being too cautious, too concerning. Uh, now people are telling me that, hey, we're going to go right back down. We're going to revisit lows, etc. I'm not so sure that's the case, uh, but we're watching oil very, very closely. That's what I'll keep an eye on. All right, we got to wrap it up. It's been a great show. Thanks for your flexibility. Again, visit us on the web, retirementky.com. And remember, friends, it will never make dollars if it does not make sense. Make it a great one. 